Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. A few days ago, I came across a recent article that summarized some research by the Barna Group on pastors and their feelings of loneliness and isolation in ministry today. This research showed that about 65% of pastors report feeling lonely and isolated in ministry leadership today. Now, that's a significant increase over five years ago before COVID. It was about 42% back then. 65% report feeling sometimes or frequently that they are lonely and isolated in ministry leadership. Now, they, in contrast to that, also reported less feeling of support by the people closest to them or the people around them. Uh, It's about 49% of these same pastors reported in the survey that they actually feel supported, uh, well-supported by the people around them, and that's down from 68% when this same survey was done a few years ago. So clearly, uh, this survey indicates that pastoral leaders feel more lonely and isolated than they did a few years ago, and that they sense less support from the people around them than they did a few years ago. So I want to talk today on the podcast about dealing with loneliness and isolation in ministry leadership. You know, having to even talk about this subject rests on what I call the dilemma of loneliness for Christian leaders. Loneliness is a perplexing problem. We we work in Christian communities. We work with people all the time. Uh, We're surrounded by other Christians in our churches, here at the seminary, in other organizations where we work, perhaps even in the schools we attend. And in the context of those communities, we emphasize relationships. In fact, everyone's heard this Tired expression, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And we focus not only on our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other. And out of that, we value something called Christian fellowship. In fact, in a lot of churches, the first building built after the worship center is something called a fellowship hall. We actually build and name a building after this function of fellowship, because it's so important to us. So how is it, how is it that Christian leaders, which work in communities that emphasize relationships and value fellowship, how is it possible that loneliness and isolation is such a problem and is a growing problem? Well, that's because loneliness is an occupational hazard of Christian leadership. Now, while it's certainly been increasing in recent years, it has always been a reality. And I don't want to be really negative at this point in the podcast, but I do want to be realistic. It's not going away. Loneliness and a sense of isolation is an occupational hazard of Christian leadership. And I want to tell you why that is Four reasons. Number one, leaders are isolated 
by information, both personal information and professional information, things we know about people, things that we know about our organizations. And as Christian leaders, we have a very high standard of confidentiality and a significant responsibility to manage information well, which often means we can't share it. And the fact that we have information that other people can't have makes our decision-making and the results sometimes very lonely. A couple of examples. A number of years ago, I was involved in a situation where I was not willing to allow a certain person to be involved in managing our church's finances. And people thought I was holding some kind of vendetta against this person or that I was intimidated by this person or that I didn't like this person. But every time it was suggested that they might join the financial team, I resisted it and prevented it. People said, well, what's wrong with Jeff and why is he acting this way? And the criticism was sometimes quite spirited and public. But I knew something no one else knew. I knew that this particular individual had a compulsive gambling problem. And I wasn't going to let him anywhere close to our church finances. But because I had learned that information in a confidential context, I was not able to share my reasons for my decision And I was lonely because of that. So when you are making decisions, uh, in this case about a volunteer leader, but in other cases about personnel, for example, when you have a disgruntled employee, that employee can go out and say almost anything they want to about you. But you're bound by confidentiality rules and other uh, other ethical conduct requirements to not say anything. And that can be a very lonely situation. So leaders are isolated by information, and that's not going to go away. That's one of the occupational hazards of our work. Here's another one. Leaders are isolated by obedience. That means that when we do the right thing, it can sometimes be very isolating. For example, if you take a moral stand, If you stand up, for example, on uh, the sanctity of marriage in our culture, it gets lonely really quickly as people start attacking you for taking that position. Or maybe you stand up for a doctrinal position like the exclusivity of the gospel and salvation only available through Jesus Christ. Oh, you'll be called a bigot, a narrow-minded, Bible-thumping fundamentalist, and every other thing you can think of, intolerant. (laughs) That's lonely. And then maybe you lead spiritual commitments. You are living, giving, leading your church to build a building, so you start giving before anyone else does. You're leading your church to renewed devotion, so you start fasting and praying before anyone else does. These kind of acts of obedience can be isolating. Now, if you're a Christian leader, You're going to take moral stands, and you're going to defend doctrinal positions, and you are going to lead in spiritual commitments. This is an occupational responsibility, 
and the loneliness that results is a natural occupational hazard of Christian leadership. That's why I say these things are not going away. Feelings of loneliness and isolation, while they can be diminished, and we're going to talk about how to do that in this podcast, while they can be diminished, it's an unrealistic expectation to think they're going to go away. Loneliness is just part of the work that we're called to do. Another reason is because leaders are isolated by job demands. Christian leaders spend a lot of time alone. You say, well, what do you mean? I thought Christian leaders spent their time with people. Well, we do spend some of our time with people. But if you're a pastor, you're going to spend a significant amount of time alone in your study, preparing to preach and teach. If you're a professor, you're going to spend a lot of time alone in your office doing research and writing lectures. If you're a person like me that's a president, I spend a lot of time alone in planning, in strategy thinking, and in working on ideas for the seminary's future. And a lot of people in ministry leadership spend a significant amount of time alone while they travel. I spend a lot of time sitting on airplanes, but regional missionaries and other people like that spend a lot of time sitting in cars. And even if you're a pastor in an urban area, you spend a lot of time sitting in traffic. You're alone. In fact, uh, most Christian leaders, uh, if they're in any kind of church of any size or any kind of organization with any size at all, they have a private office or a workspace, and they're expected to work there alone. And in fact, you have to sometimes fight your way past two or three people just to get to them because the the idea is what they're doing is important, and they need to be left alone so they can concentrate and get their work done. Now, these job demands... Spending time alone in preparation, spending time alone traveling, spending time alone in an office area. These are a normal part of the work that we do. And that's why I say they're an occupational hazard of Christian ministry. They aren't going away. And then finally, leaders are isolated by the emotional depletion of doing their job. Ministry's draining. It, it, it sucks the energy out of you. It, 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 it takes the life right out of you. It, it's a burden that we've adopted and that we carry and that we, we, we take seriously. A few years ago, a friend of mine in dialogue about this uh, by email sent me this quote. He said, there isn't a night I lay my head on the pillow without thinking about how to reach someone who needs the Lord, how to help a troubled marriage, how to better lead my team or how to disciple someone in my church. Just the burden of being responsible for the spiritual lives of people is a cause of loneliness. So there's at least four reasons why Christian leaders feel lonely and a sense of isolation. They are isolated by information, by obedience, by job demands, and by the emotional depletion of doing their job. That's why I say that loneliness and isolation and the sense of emptiness that comes with that is an occupational hazard of Christian leadership. It's simply not going away. Now you may say, this is a depressing podcast. Is there any good news? Well, of course there is. While I'm trying to help you to have a realistic understanding of your situation, 
I'm not at all advocating that there's not anything you can do to help alleviate the problem. So now let me give you uh, three suggestions, three suggestions about how to manage better the sense of loneliness and isolation that comes with being in ministry leadership. Number one, have realistic expectations about loneliness. You will be lonely. It comes with the territory. Admitting that is not an admission of spiritual inadequacy or leadership failure. Admitting it is owning your humanity and acknowledging the reality of the work that we've been given to do. You will be lonely. It is part of ministry leadership. But it will be temporary, and it can be alleviated. Realistic expectations are often foundational to solving a true problem. So our realistic expectation is we will be lonely, and we can get through it. We can manage it. We can alleviate it. Realistic expectation. And I want to underscore this. If you're feeling lonely and isolated as a ministry leader, that doesn't mean you're spiritually deficient. Doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Doesn't mean there's anything that there's anything uh, that that uh, you're failing. It just means you're human, and you've accepted the responsibility of ministry leadership, which carries with it some loneliness and isolation. So, number one, have realistic expectations. Number two, cultivate your awareness of God's presence. Look at biblical leaders who all experienced times of loneliness and isolation. Paul, for example, David, and even Jesus. But in those moments of isolation, of loneliness, they had encounters with God that were deep and rich and sustaining. Take an honest look at biblical leaders. Don't just read the victory stories in their lives, but look at their entire biographies and look at the arc of how they've lived, and you will see that over and over and over and over in Scripture, people lamented being alone and lonely and the pain that, brought the, that came with that, and then affirmed, God is with me, or met God in their loneliness in significant and profound ways. Cultivate your awareness of God's presence. Now, theologically, if you're a Christian, you don't have to ask God to be with you. He already is. He indwells you by the power of his Holy Spirit and is with you constantly, daily, everywhere you go. So it's not a matter of getting God's presence, it's a matter of cultivating it, of recognizing it, focusing on it, exploring it, and enjoying it more consistently. Now, some things that I've done that have helped me to cultivate an awareness of God's presence of God's presence all start with my morning devotional time with Him. Bible reading, prayer, reflection on Scripture, and Thoughtful prayer 
helps me to recenter each day with God and to walk into my day with a sense that I've met with God, that I've intentionally acknowledged his presence in my life. I've reinforced the reality of his presence with me. And as I move forward, I have that sense of his aura, if you will, around me. A second thing that helps me is to have simple and brief prayers throughout the day, talking with God, just like I'm talking with you on this podcast. Some of you have heard me teach on this before, but one of my most frequently prayed prayers is a short little phrase, Lord, here we go. And I pray that prayer a lot before I stand up to speak, before I go into meetings, before I handle difficult situations. I'll just pray either silently or whispered to God, Lord, here we go. And in the way I voice that prayer and the inflection I put on it, what I'm saying is, Lord, here we go, and I need you to go with me, and I'm glad you are, because I'm about to go into a situation where I need your presence. So cultivating an awareness of God's presence involves morning devotions, it involves consistent prayer throughout the day, and it involves even short prayers like the one I just mentioned to remind you of God's presence with you. Now, A third thing you can do, besides having realistic expectations and cultivating your awareness of God's presence, is to cultivate friendships to sustain you through lonely times. Again, take an honest look at biblical leaders. Jesus had his disciples. Paul had his missionary team. David had his mighty men. As you go through the Bible, you find that Christian leaders and leaders throughout Scripture had people around them that supported them, cared for them, sustained them in the leadership role they were fulfilling. You need the same thing. There are no Lone Ranger leaders. You need a team of people around you to keep you going. Now, over the years, I've developed something called a leadership friendship team or a leadership support team. And there are four categories of people that I advocate you develop in terms of relational connections to sustain you over the long haul. Now, before I go through the four, let me say a couple of other preliminary comments. First of all, you don't have to have all four of these equally all the time. You may have one or more of these that's very prominent in your life at different phases or stages of life. So you don't have to have all four of these all the time. But you should be looking to cultivate all four of these so that you have this as an ongoing resource in your life when you need it, especially when you go through lonely and isolating times, you have this relational web, if you will, that you can fall into for support and care. Now, a second thing I would say is that you're going to try to build this friendship team. And if you're going to build this team around you, you have to be this in the lives of other people as well. So it's not just about you taking, it's also about you giving. You know, a couple of years ago, God really convicted me about this. And I found myself in a very meaningful prayer time, and I prayed a prayer that came out kind of like this, Lord, help me to be a better friend. I had focused so much on building my friendship team, but I'd forgotten that it's reciprocal that I'm supposed to be these things for some other people as well. And I've been praying, Lord, help me to be a better friend. So 
Who are these four categories of people that you need on your leadership support team or your leadership friendship team? Number one, a mentor. A mentor is a person that you can go to for guidance and for counsel. It's a person who's been down the road a little farther than you have, a person that you look up to and respect and who has wisdom, a person that you can trust, a mentor. Now, I've been fortunate in my life that I've had several of these. I could go back over a a lifetime and think about men like uh, Burtis Williams and T.C. Melton, uh, men like Bill Cruz and Cecil Sims, men who came into my life at different times and gave me guidance and direction and counsel, men that I was able to go to and talk with about problems or issues or struggles or difficulties. And along the way, men like this, including, I'd add, men like Casey Deshaun, men like this were men who gave me, just at the right time, just the nudging that I needed to keep moving forward in ministry leadership. You need a mentor. Now, here's the sad reality. Most of my mentors have either passed away or reached an age where I no longer feel comfortable burdening them with my problems or issues. And I woke up the other day and realized I'd become a mentor. (laughs) I'm not sure how I went from being the innovative young pastor to the old bureaucrat in a suit, but it happened. And now I'm the old guy. And now I have a responsibility to give some years of mentorship to younger men, just like men did for me those years ago. Mentor. Second person you need on your friendship team or your leadership support team is a peer. Now, a peer is someone who does what you do or similar to what you do, but in a different organization or a different church or a different context. In other words, they have no emotional uh, skin in your game, and they bear, no, they bear no emotional pressure or have any emotional baggage from your church or your organization or your situation. But they're a ministry peer in that they do know what you do and they do understand what you do because they do very similar things. So if you're a youth pastor, that would be a youth pastor in another church. If you're a professor, that would be a professor in another church. If if you're a young uh, mom who's homeschooling kids, that would be another young mom who's homeschooling kids. It, It would be someone who's like you, who does what you do, but in a different context than you're serving. Different church, different ministry organization, different setting. And the key distinction is that while a peer shares what you do, they have no emotional investment in where you do it or the people you do it with. They truly are a ministry peer. Now, the third person you need is a colleague, a ministry colleague. Now, this is someone who's in the yoke with you. This could be a fellow teammate. This could be a deacon or an elder or another Sunday school teacher that works in your department. Uh, This could be someone who's on a committee with you or a task force. It's a ministry colleague. This is someone who is in your same church or in your same organization or in your same setting. They're in the yoke with you. They are helping pull the weight together. I'm fortunate here at the seminary that I have a good team that works around me of three or four, uh, five people that are just really close to me and that uh, are my colleagues in ministry. We are pulling together and working together, and we share the burden together. And then the final person on this team 
is what I call an everyday friend. Now, the last time I taught on this, a person came up to me afterwards and said, I call that last category my fishing buddy. (laughs) I said, that makes good sense to me. He said, I need a guy that just goes fishing with me. Not a, not a mentor, not a peer, not a colleague, just a fishing buddy. And I thought, you got it, but you got it. You understood what I was saying. An everyday friend. This is someone that you hang out with, uh, that you share life with, that you don't always talk about work or church or ministry. An everyday friend. And I have been much blessed in my lifetime that I've had two or three of these guys, men who've come into my life and just been my friend. They didn't always ask me about the seminary. They weren't all that impressed with my ministry and the books and the writing and the podcasting and all the stuff I was doing. I mean, they appreciated it, but it wasn't that big of a deal to them. They were just my friend. And they, they related to me as Jeff. And we had a relationship that was personal. And we've, uh, with one particular friend, uh, we've been on vacation together. We've done mission trips together. We've, we've just gotten on the phone and just talked for 30 minutes just to catch on what's going on in our lives and our families. That's an everyday friend. Now, let me reinforce. You don't have to have all these at the same time. You may not have all of them equally at the same time. But over a lifetime of leadership, at different juncture points and different times and different phases of life, these are the people that will keep you going. A mentor, a peer, a colleague, and a friend. And I would strongly encourage you to develop these relationships. Intentionally reach out to someone in a mentoring role. Intentionally Build some peer relationships with people in your community or your denomination or your circle of influence that do what you do. Once a month, getting with the youth pastors in your town is not a waste of time. It's an infusion of spiritual strength into your life. You need a colleague. You say, well, I I work in a really small church. I'll bet there's at least one person that will help pull the load with you. One person who will say, I'll help. That is your colleague, that deacon, that elder, that Sunday school teacher, that committee leader, that associate pastor, that volunteer associate pastor, that someone who's just with you in the harness who'll help you pull the load. And then finally, an everyday friend, someone that you meet, you connect with, you have life with. Now, often get asked, can this be a church member if you're a pastor or a leader? And the answer to that is depends on the church member. There aren't any hard and fast rules on this, but there are boundaries and difficulties with having a close relationship to one individual in a church, and I get that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it can't happen. You just need to be very careful in managing if you're going to have that kind of relationship. Well, loneliness and isolation, according to a recent Barna survey, it is a rising problem in ministry leadership. I've given you four reasons why it's not going away. It's an occupational hazard of what we do. And then I've given you three suggestions. Have realistic expectations, cultivate an awareness of God's presence, and build or cultivate a friendship team or a support team around you. These are some concrete things you can do to 
minimize, not eliminate, but manage better the sense of loneliness and isolation that comes with ministry leadership. Now, I get asked a couple of other big questions when I teach on this, and so let me end with those. The first question is, what keeps us from doing this, from putting these steps into practice and building the kind of support network we need? Pride, competition, lack of transparency, sinful self-centeredness, a sense that we want to make impress people rather than be authentic around people. Get over yourself. You need help. You need realistic expectations, help from God, and help from people in order to make it over a lifetime of ministry leadership. So get over the pride and sense of competition and lack of transparency and driven, narrow, solo leadership style that you may have let creep into your life and build the kind of network you need to sustain you. And that leads me to the last question. What about my spouse? Isn't that the person that I should be depending on the most? Well, yes and no. I'm fortunate that Anne is my confidant and my friend and my companion. And she is such a strength to me. But it is putting far too much weight on her to expect her to be the sole source of my emotional well-being. That's why I need a mentor and a peer and a colleague and a friend. And I am most blessed to say, and a good, loving, supportive wife. But I will not put all that pressure on her to alleviate the sense of loneliness and isolation that comes with my job. She's an important part of it, but she's not the only part. And I want to be a, take the initiative to build a larger team of people to support me as I cultivate God's presence in my life and manage these expectations I have about what really what life is really going to be like as a ministry leader. Well, the surveys say the problem of loneliness and isolation is getting worse. By implementing good strategies, you can alleviate that problem and manage it well. But a realistic expectation is it's not going away. It's part of the job. It comes with the territory. That's all right. Because every job has its challenges, and this is just one that comes with ministry leadership. So today, manage loneliness and isolation well. Do it so that you can be sustained over the long haul as you lead on. <laughs>